friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Friday, March the 11th. And wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's grace. I wish you God's life. I wish you God's goodness today. We have made it through another week. I hope it was a wonderful week. Again, remember, we are working through Lent. And, uh, and help us to be open, by the grace of God, to where God invites us this Lent. We don't need to make it what Lent's past have been for us, or where they took us, or what they were or they were not. This Lent offers us today. This Lent offers and invites us into some place new where we can let go of that grasp of whatever it is that is holding us so we can fall into the arms of God. Brothers and sisters, I'm grateful that you are with me today to break open God's Word. And so where are we going today? Well, yesterday, you remember, gosh, we've been, we've been zooming around the uh, Sermon on the Mount a lot this week. Uh, we've been in Matthew chapter 6. The heart of the heart. We talked about that yesterday. Yesterday we were in chapter 7 of Matthew's gospel, which was toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Well, today we're going to go back toward the beginning. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 after Jesus, um, before he teaches us how to pray. Now that'll be important and I'll point to that today. Uh, but he, uh, it's going to be after he talks about how you are a city on a hill. You know, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill. Uh, a light can't be put under a bushel basket, and a city on a hill can't be hidden, right? Instead, we put everything out in front of others that they may see God's goodness and give glory to God. So today we're going to be Matthew 5, verses 20 to 26. And I'm going to read it out of the message, that translation, again, so wonderful. You're going to hear it in a different way. But I'll refer back to the NAB version as well, just so we know uh, exactly which uh, scripture is being translated here, okay? So with that said, let's break open God's Word. We're reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Unless you do far better than the Pharisees in the matters of right living, you won't know the first thing about entering the kingdom. You're familiar with the command to the ancients, do not murder. I'm telling you that anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or a sister is guilty of murder. Carelessly call a brother idiot, and you just might find yourself hauled into court. Thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister, and you are on the brink of hellfire. The simple moral fact is that words kill. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter your place of worship and, about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. Then, and only then, Come back and work things out with God. Or say you're out on the street and an old enemy accosts you. Don't lose a minute. Make the first move. Make things right with them. After all, if you leave the first move to them, 
Knowing their track record, you're likely to end up in court, maybe even jail. If that happens, you won't get out without a stiff fine. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So, what we're talking about here, and and let's start with the first point that I'm going to make here. And that is just the first line that Jesus is talking. Uh, In the NAB, NAB, New American Bible version, it says this, I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of God. And what Peterson says, unless you do far better than the Pharisees in the matters of right living, you won't know the first thing about entering the kingdom. Why is that, brothers and sisters? Remember, remember, this is immediate, well, not immediately, but pretty close to immediately preceding chapter 6 in the gospel. And remember, we heard from chapter 6 on Ash Wednesday. What did it tell us? Be careful not to perform acts so that others may see, right? And then he goes on to talk about almsgiving, talk about prayer, talk about uh, um, fasting. Because if we do it for others to see, we gain our reward. Because others see us and think we're good people. They think we're holy. They think we're righteous. And Jesus tells us here, I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the same thing here that he's going to talk about in chapter 6. And that is our capacity as human beings to wear masks. Brothers and sisters, I don't know why that is. Here's why I think. No, again, this next part, throw it out if it's not helpful. But here's what I think. I think as human beings, the older we get particularly, um, because the more experiences we get, I think the more shame we carry. Now, when I say shame, I mean this. I mean, it's that idea in ourselves that we're simply not lovable. It's not the things we do are poor, but it's that idea that says, "I'm, I'm glad you love me. I'm glad you think I'm a good person. But if you really knew me, if you really knew what I thought, if you really knew what I've done, if you really knew all the failings that I've had, all those things, all those voices we tell ourselves that we don't share with other people very often, unless it's a trusting relationship and we're feeling vulnerable, that shame that we carry, brothers and sisters, we cover it up with everything, particularly our ego. Because the more we invite other people to think we're okay, to prove to others that we can do things right, which is why it's so important important that we're right or that we're knowledgeable about something or that we did it correctly or all these other things, all that is, those are all just defense mechanisms. Those are defense mechanisms covering up those voices that we don't want to share with people that says, because if you get beyond that, if, if, I'm, if I didn't do it right, it means all those voices I hear in my head, they must be correct. All, the, all that shame I carry that says, I'm simply not lovable or I'm not okay. Again, 
if that's helpful. I just think that, I think that's part of the human condition. If it's not helpful, throw it out, please. But brothers and sisters, I think as human beings, we wear masks because we don't allow God to be that voice that we hear. Instead, we listen to those voices and that shame, and we think that defines us. And what our God reminds us is that we are the beloved one. We are. Not because of what we've done. No. Not because we've gotten it right all the time. No. Not because we haven't failed. No. Not because we're not correct all the time. We're not. We're simply the beloved one because a God chooses to love us. Because we are created in that, that image and likeness of God. It's what I said yesterday. Now you may think, Joe, you keep coming back to that. I do. I do. And it tells you something about me at some level, no doubt about that. But brothers and sisters, I think it tells us something about us. Why would Jesus... Again, I've said this before, but the people that Jesus has the hardest time with... Now, prove me wrong, please. The people that Jesus has the hardest time with in the Gospels are not sinners. It's not the tax collectors or the prostitutes. It's not the, the um, people that are, are uh, you know, cutting holes in his roof and, and bringing paralytics to him or, uh, or pouring oil on him and, and, and wiping with their hair or, or the, the guy with however many legion of demons running around the cemetery over in the, the region of the Gerasenes. It's none of those people. It's the Pharisees and the scribes who think or at least act like they don't need a Savior. That's what our God's telling us here. I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses the scribes of the Pharisees who wear masks, who go around, if for no other reason, trying to be seen as holy, and maybe that's their defense mechanism, that they needed to be seen in that way because of whatever voices were going on in, in them. And our God says, I can't, I can't get through illusion. I can't get through denial. I can't get through falsehood. But if you're honest with me, if you're honest with me and say, Lord, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with all this stuff of, of what I've done and who I've been and the decisions I've made. I think we're going we're gonna to feel that peace We're going to feel that goodness. We're going to feel that new life that our God invites us into. So that's point number one, brothers and sisters. Point number two. Now, I would love to sit here, my friends, and tell you that this next point is is a titillating point. It's one of, of wonder and goodness and arousal, and it's something that we're going to be uh, just excited to hear. You know, right? It's not. It's not, my friends. In fact, instead, Jesus throws down the gauntlet. You know, we are not that different, brothers and sisters, than those people who wanted signs, right? The sign. Give us another sign. Give us another sign that we should listen to you. And Jesus says, I'm done with that stuff. And said, you just get the sign of Jonah. Same thing he does here today. He's like, you want to be titillated? Uh-uh. Let's talk about real stuff. And yes, I just used the word titillating three times. Why? Because it just isn't used enough. That's why. So what does Jesus say? Here's what he says. 
You've heard it said to your ancestors, you shall not kill. And whoever kills shall be liable to the judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with their brother or sister is liable to the judgment. I'm going to use Peterson's because, again, I like where he goes here. You are familiar with the command of the ancients, do not murder. I'm telling you that anyone who is so much as angry with their brother or sister is already guilty of murder. Carelessly call a brother idiot and you just might find yourself hauled into court. Thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister and you are on the brink of hellfire. The simple moral fact is that words kill. Brothers and sisters, that's real, isn't it? The simple moral fact is words kill. How many people, my friends, well, and I guess that's even the wrong question to ask. I was going to say, how many people in our lives have we hurt with our words? Because that only adds to that shame. I'm not trying to, to hide behind it. I guess what I am trying to say is, how can we watch our words now? Now that we know this, and I don't, I don't think these are any new things to you. I, I, I suspect you and I knew these before today. But now that we are trapped in the truth, knowing that words have a power to lift and give life, or words have the power to kill and to destroy. I mean, it's like that Deuteronomy, right? It's like that wonderful uh, saying in Deuteronomy 30, where Moses, again, in that second telling, tells the people, I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. Choose life then that you and your, your ancestors may live. That's what Jesus is saying here. Is he saying, listen, my friends, you and I have power, power to, to lift and to give life and to give newness and to give hope, or we have the power to destroy. And I suspect, my friends, you and I in our humanness have done both, have done both. And what our God says is to the extent that we are using words to destroy people, he's not saying, well, you're on the brink of hell because I'm not going to like you anymore and you better watch it or I'm going to send you to Hades. What he's saying is you're already in a hell. You've already got a foot there because you're trying to destroy people. Where does that come from? It only comes from one, the destroyer, the liar, the evil one. And if we are trying to do that, we need to look at where that source of energy is coming from. Because God is not destroyer. God is not violent. God is not death dealer. The calling card of God is life. And brothers and sisters, if you and I are, are witnesses, if you and I are missionaries, if you and I are carriers of that name, we must be people that give life to. And that's why I love that example at the end where he says, listen, if you're on your way, um, uh, to the altar to give your gift uh, before God and you recall that your brother or sister has anything against you, stop. Just, just stop. Lay the gift down. Put it aside. Whatever. Go off and reconcile first and then come back. Right? Because one, God isn't fooled and two, what is the gift that we're giving? It's our very being. It's our very being. And, and it recalls, and I'm going to say this poorly, I should have looked it up beforehand, but it's that, that um, uh, first letter of John, isn't it? 
Uh, and again, again, forgive me if I'm if I'm off base here, but he says, you know, you can't you cannot say that you love God whom you have have not seen, and do not love your brother or sister whom you have seen, right? I'm going to say it again. We cannot say that we love God whom we do not see and do not love our brother or sister who we do see because anybody who does that is a liar. Brothers and sisters, we cannot give our gift, which is our very being before God, if we're carrying this violence within us, this division within us, this lack of forgiveness within us. Now, I know my words are true. I know them to be true, only because Jesus said them first. But I also know I'm not going to stand before you and pretend that they're easy because, because they're not. They're difficult. But I know that they're the bar that our God sets for us to be honest with ourselves and honest with God. We don't have to wear masks, not before God and not before ourselves. And then we need to remember whose we are. We are God's beloved. And so we don't have to cover any of this up. And so therefore we can do our best to reconcile and love and not destroy. Because by grace, by grace we have been saved. We have been given it to and we've been given second, third, 50th, 80th chances. So how do we hold that in? We cannot. We cannot. We've been freely given, so must we freely give. And that, my friends, that, my friends, is the gospel. That's the good news, and that is titillating. Let's pray. And so we uh, conclude our glorious mysteries this week, right? And we begin as we begin all things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The fifth glorious mystery, Mary is crowned Queen of Heaven. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. My friends, bless you. Thanks for being with me this week. Have a marvelous weekend. And let's get back together next Monday 